0: Welcome to the Pack is Back podcast, brought to you by the Seawolf for Life Foundation, Synergy Capital
1: Solutions, and Proudmouth. In this podcast, we will provide regular updates on what is happening, what's to come, and how alumni players continue to support community, connections, and contributions.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Pack is Back podcast. I am your host, David Valliere, and I'm very excited to bring on uh, John Hill today, in my mind, and and I know uh, for a lot of us, just a, a future Hall of Famer here. He's a UAA player, UAA coach, now uh, scouting in the NHL, so we're looking forward to to chatting with him. Um, and uh, with that, Coach, I just a quick hello from you, and then let's just jump right into it.
1: David, it was uh, so wonderful to run into you at Notre Dame this year and to reconnect after so many years. And, uh, it just reminds me of what I enjoyed most about coaching. And that was the relationships with the players that knowing that most of them were going to last my life. Uh, and by that, I mean, whenever I would see guys, I would know that there would be a hug and, and conversation. And, and, uh, I guess led to this moment here, but it was just, it was so good to see you and, and, uh, yeah, great memories.
2: Yeah, yeah, and let me just fill the guys in for listeners. I my son, he's fourteen. He was at a tournament at Notre Dame, and we decided to stick around and watch. I think it was the NTDP play Notre Dame. Yep. Uh, and we were just sitting there listening. Beat
1: they beat. Yeah. They beat Notre Dame. They beat That's Notre right. Dame. <laughs>
2: That's right. So, uh, handily, said, oh, no, actually, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, what did you say? They beat them handily. It wasn't even close. Yeah. No, it was not. It was not as fun to watch good hockey, but Roy and I were sitting in the stands and I hear this voice above me <laughs> and it, I mean, but we haven't seen each other in 20 years, at least right at
1: that point, uh, lo- probably longer. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Since, yeah. since I left UAA, closer to I
1: 25. Yeah. Yeah. Probably 25, 27. Yeah
2: it's really funny. And I just heard this voice and I looked back and I thought, Hilly. <laughs> and of course, then it was hugs and catching up and yeah, very serendipitous. And I'm really glad that we've reconnected and had this chance to, to share some of this um, with the alumni. So yeah, um, me too. Hilly, let me just take it back. Cause there's, a lot of folks that don't know you, you know, quite as well as I do. And there's some part of your history that I don't even know. Um, I'd love to hear about like your early days. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you, how'd you get involved in hockey? Let's talk about that. And then I'll kind of transition us over to how you ended up at UAA.
1: Sure. You bet. You know, we moved to Alaska and on April 7th, 1970, from Colorado Springs, my dad was in the air force. I, I was not playing hockey at that time. I was, uh, about to turn 10. I played uh, football and baseball and basketball. And uh, my best friend in Colorado Springs played hockey. I used to go watch him play, and we'd go to the Air Force Academy hockey games. And I was going to start playing hockey, I thought, in Colorado Springs. But when we moved to Alaska, I started skating. My dad built a rink in the backyard on Elmendorf Air Force Base, and I skated, had figure skates for a couple of years. And I didn't start playing organized hockey until I was 12. Wow. Which is late. Um, really late, actually, as you know. Yeah. And uh, the coaching back then in the early 70s was really just volunteers. We had the AHA, certainly appreciated what the, the, the parents did in the organization. We had, uh, at the time, one indoor rink, which is, uh, was Anchorage Sports Arena, which is now the, it's, uh, the place on fireweed. It's an um, office supply place. And we would get to play there, maybe once a year, we'd have a couple of practices, short seasons. And that's when I started. And, um, I then played junior high hockey, high school hockey. I was not very good, uh, because I started late and, uh, but growing up in Alaska, the one thing you can do if you're willing to skate outdoors is you can make up for lost time. And when I got into high school. It's not an exaggeration to say I averaged four hours a day between PE practice and then going back to to Bartlett High School and skating. And I caught up real quick and uh, Jack Anderson. Uh, I had met Jack at a hockey camp when I was a senior in high school. I actually got to play a game with the Anchorage Wolverines when I was a senior in high school. So I, I kind of I got pretty good uh, fairly quick because I, I just I loved it. I, hockey is what I would call the one true love of my life. Um, And uh, Jack got me a tryout down in uh, British Columbia. And I went and played in the BC Junior League for a couple of years. Didn't do very well um, because, again, I I was late to the game. And they started the hockey program at UAA. and, And Coach talked to me about coming back. And I was there at the very beginning, David. And I can still remember the first, NCAA series for us at home was against West Point, and we we swept them. And you no, know, granted it's West Point, but I mean they were a an established hockey program, coached by Jack Riley, who had coached the nineteen sixty Olympic team to the gold medal. So mm-hmm. that's really is kind of in a nutshell my my ho- hockey upbringing. I, I was really self taught. um I, I was fortunate. I had a midget coach named Tim Armstrong, who loved the game and and. I looked up to him cause he played defense on the Wolverines. My high school coach, Dennis Anderson was a very passionate man about the game as well. And, um, so I was fortunate when I got to those ages that I had two men who, who really, you could tell they loved the game of hockey and as coaches, they were perfect for a guy like me.
2: Yeah. You never really get anywhere by yourself in this game. Do you, you need to have good mentors?
1: Mm, no, no. <laughs> oh no no you don't get anywhere in life by yourself absolutely absolutely. you know the greatest the greatest resource we have is is people and you know david when i got to uaa um program just started we were playing division two at that time there was it was it was division two division one five years later you had to make a decision you're going division one or division three was after we had just finished and they decided to go to Division One, which I'm glad for. But you know, Mike Asher was the assistant coach. And Mike was getting, I think, was still finishing up his degree. And, and, and he did a wonderful job of recruiting. And uh, we were fortunate. Um, we had, uh, after Mike, a guy named Klaus Nossinger came in. And Klaus was from Italy. And he was ahead of his time with the circuit training and the conditioning. And we also had a man by the name of Rick Fry who was in charge of the physical education department at UAA, who was doing, I believe, a a thesis or something that had to do with sports psychology. And and they both instilled something. First of all, I'll just say this. Mike did an outstanding job of recruiting tough, competitive, smart hockey players from Western Canada and from Minnesota to go along with the guys from Alaska. Klaus, we were in phenomenal shape. And and he used to tell us, he said to me one day, he said, Johnny, your boys must develop a Venice mentality. And I go, Venice mentality? He goes, yes, Venice. And I go, winners? He goes, yes, Venice. And I go, that sounds great, Klaus. How do we do that? He says, that's for you to figure out. That's That's for you guys to figure out. And Rick Fry used to always tell us, guys, when times get tough, call on your ancestors. And so we established that as a rallying cry. But first we said, Rick, what does that mean? He says, hundreds of years ago, when the times were really, really tough, we can even go back thousands, your ancestors made it through so that you could have this wonderful life you have. So when the times are tough, call on your ancestors. And I know what he meant. Summons that inner strength that they had and so we did that as a hockey team and David what's gotten lost is in four short years think about this coach started the hockey program we set an ncaa record we won 29 straight games and the team that beat us at the christmas tournament the 83-84 season the team that ended that streak they beat us three to two on a lukey goal was North Dakota and that team went to the frozen Four that year. That's the team that beat that record. And I believe we woke up the very next day to the newspaper article that the men's programs at UAA were put on probation because the swimming team had forfeited a swimming meet. We were ineligible to play for a NCAA division two championship. Wow. Yep. Wow. That's, Think about that. You go from this extreme high, and we were still high because there were, the Bill Sullivan Arena was packed for that game, and that was the first time I remember going, holy cow, like, look at
2: the support. Yeah, the 6,000 people here, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, 6,000 people. It was an outstanding game, and fluky, not a bad goal, just a fluky goal, a backhand shot that, that hit a blade of a stick and trickled up and over. It was Gar- Garvin Federico's shoulder. Um, and into the net, and they beat us three two. And uh, but I remember thinking, God, UAA—it's it's a hockey town, and, and we can play with anybody. And that's in four short years.
2: That's amazing.
1: I mean, that's pretty. It really is, if you think about it. I mean, it's it's quite phenomenal to be a part of that. But it was um, it was uh, a very emotional coach. I love that he was very competitive. Loved that. Let us play. Believed in us uh rick fry had us doing we you know close our eyes and and we he would tell us to close your eyes 15 you know for about 10 to 15 minutes in the afternoon and visualize things that are going to happen in the game if you do that you're going to be a step ahead we were call on your ancestors klaus had us in phenomenal condition he he did all of that brush let him do it and at at the at the start i remember thinking what in the heck has he got us doing well, then it was like, this makes sense now. And Mike actually recruited tremendous players. And we were a close group. We, I think on our senior year, there were 12 of us. Half the team was uh, from Anchorage or Alaska. And the other 12 were guys from either Minnesota or Western Canada. A good, diverse group.
2: Yeah, that's incredible. Let me, let me take us back just a little bit. Because you mentioned you played juniors BC League. How did you get mm-hmm. back to Anchorage? What was the recruiting like back then? Or was it like, hey, I, I just know him. I didn't know him. Talk to me about that.
1: Well, I, at the time when I left, UA didn't have a hockey program. I was hoping to get a college scholarship. Um, and like I said, David, I was not very good. I was not anyone that anybody was going to recruit um, okay. at the time. Okay. And then the program was starting. And then Rush just contacted me. I remember Rush contacted me and just said, "We started the program. We'd love to have you come back. And then I remember Rick Schaefer called from Alaska Fairbanks. They were starting the program too. And he called and I politely told Rick that I'm an Anchorage guy. Uh, no offense, all the best to you, but, um, if I'm going to play college hockey in Alaska, I'm a sea wolf because I'm an Anchorage guy. There you and, up. uh, that was it. I really, I really didn't have any other options and there was no, there was no real recruiting. It was, Hey, if you want to come back, love to have you. And I was all in because I, heck, I didn't have any other options. And quite frankly, I was David. I thought I was going to spend my entire life in Anchorage. I yeah. love Anchorage, still love Anchorage. It was just back from my niece's wedding last month. I, it's, it's home. But yeah, so I was just, I was fortunate because otherwise hockey would have probably been over. I'd have probably went back to Anchorage. I wouldn't even have gone to college. I'm not, a, I, I'm not ashamed to say it. I went to college because I wanted to play hockey. Um, I would have went back and probably worked and just played at the time. I had a senior league going on and I played in the senior league for one of the teams. So I owe everything I have in life. I do mean this, everything I have in my life, I owe to the university of Las Anchorage, starting the hockey program and getting my degree. And I've had a wonderful life in hockey. Um, all because of that.
2: I'm blessed. That's so cool. Yeah. Blessed. No, that's so, yeah. so cool. Yep. Yeah. Hey, let me tell so let me just kind of move the conversation kind of two different ways one i'd love to talk about you know your playing days we just started to talk about that but maybe some highlights favorite stories that you you can think about um that you know that that come to mind and then i'd like to transition as to like i'm very curious how you got into the coaching side and obviously i i experienced that you were one of my coaches but let's talk about favorite stories as a player before we talk about coaching?
1: Well, it's, uh, gosh, we, there's lots of laughs along the way, as you know, the the most fun you have is in the dressing room, talking to the guys. Um, you know, my first year I played seven games. I got checked. I took a knee to the thigh and it ended up cracking my femur and developing calcium. I only played seven games my first year. Uh, and the next year we were, uh, what's kind of incredible about that, that run with that team is that, uh, none of my sharing this, this is anything that's going to make people laugh, but I think it can kind of put something into perspective about adult life. We started out the second year, we were playing good hockey. We were snake bit. We were like one in 11 and, um, guys were, it was about to splinter off into groups. And I thought some guys were about to leave because coach was, he was hard. He was tough. He was down on us. And uh, we played right before Christmas. We played, I think we might've been one in 11, one in 12. It was bad. And he said to us, he came in and he said, guys, I owe you an apology. He said, I've been going through a a divorce um, and it's been very hard. And he says, and unfortunately I've taken it out on you guys. I've, I've just, I've taken it out on you guys and I'm not happy with myself. And he says, if you guys will give me a second chance, I promise I, I will be better, will be better, but, but I'm, I will be the coach that, that you guys deserve to have because my personal life is is taken care of. Wow. And I remember sitting there and thinking, he just kind of poured his guts out to us. Yeah. And, and opened up. Yeah. And I think we won 14 of our next 17, and then somewhere shortly thereafter, we started that run. But we had a cast of characters, you know. I I think back to the early days, you know, we're playing a game, and Robbie Snell's got a bad groin, and he grabs the Bengay, and he slaps it all over his upper thigh. (laughs) Well, guess what? You know where I'm going with this? I do. The next thing we know, he's laying on the dressing room floor, withering around, rolling around, and just hollering because he's got it on his private <laughs> And I mean, he, he's in a bad spot. He's hurting, but we got to go play a game. <laughs> and Rush goes, let's go, guys. Snelling, we'll be waiting for you. Hang in there, kid. It'll only hurt for a minute. You probably heard Rush say, it'll only hurt for a minute. And so we all go, the guys are stepping over Snelly and we're making our way back. And, you know, we're five minutes into the period. and All of a sudden the door opens up and, and here comes Snelly. I mean, he's wet <laughs> pouring down his forehead and we just look at him like, you're a mess. Like you're a complete mess. Oh God. And then when we, uh, when we got beat by North Dakota and we found out, so then we find out in the paper and I'm jumping ahead to you. Um, That we're we're and now we're not going to the play we can't go to the NCAA playoff. We have a trip down to it was a good trip every year. We go to Northern Arizona had a team and so did United States International University in San Diego. So we fly down from Anchorage to go to Flagstaff and play Northern Arizona, and then we buzz over to um, San Diego to play USIU in front of about ten people. But we're still in San Diego. We're having a good time, and the bus breaks down and. And uh, Snelly and a couple other guys, they climb up this hill because we're waiting for relief, and they're going to get a, as much sun as they possibly can. Well, they start chucking rocks down at us. They think it's <laughs> funny. They're they're way up top. We're down below They start throwing rocks at us. Well, a couple of those guys got strong arms, and we're throwing them. And someone nicks. Why is it always Snelly? Nicks them right under the eye. You know, he drops <laughs> down again. It's like, no, you started this, so just settle down. We finally get to. The bus gets repaired, we finally get to the rink and we're doing a drill and we're just in sweats because we got there late and coach says, just throw on your sweats, just put on your shin pads. Well, don't worry about anything. And you know how when you you, you switch corners, you're doing a drill. It's all right, switch sides and you just get yeah. the pucks and start, you know, get them in the other corner. Well, I was over there and I'm backhanding pucks and I backhand one in the air. I don't see smelly. Yeah. He doesn't have his cup on. He doesn't have his cup <laughs> on. Hits him Right in his again. In the goods. <laughs> now in the goods. He drops down on the ice now. He's got one hand on his goods, one hand under the cut under his eye, and he's rolling around again. <laughs> and it's just like, Sally, you're a mess. You're a mess. So we get to San Diego, and Tim Molly and Mark Knuckleby are two strong, tough guys that went on to have careers as firemen. And I would always tell people that if you needed someone to save someone's life in a burning house, those two guys would get the job done. So we're all in the pool hanging out and we're in San Diego and we're like, we want a little bit more curfew. We're not going to the NCAA tournament. So they, we asked coach politely if we can get an extended curfew. He says, no, come on. We've got some games to play. So Tim and, and, uh, and Nux, they pick him up in the pool and they dip his head in. And they're holding him in and he's fledgling away. And they go, longer curfew, and they pull him out. And he goes, no, and they dunk him again. And his, he's kicking his feet and his arms and he can't really get away from them. And they yank him up, longer curfew, no, God oh, darn it, no. They put him back in, they put him back in, they yank him out again, curfew, yes, what time do you want? 1.30, good. <laughs> they let him out. They let him out. He looks and he shakes his head and he goes, you, we go, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, you gave, you <laughs> gave in. So anyway, we had a good time, uh, David, I think that, uh, really proud now to have been a part of when the program started and to have had success at that level so that it was, I think, easier for Coach because you you to go Division One. It was you had to you had to be committed. Scholarships. Yeah, sure. Division Three was no scholarships. And I think because of the success we had, it was easier for him to go to the university and say, "We need to go Division One. We've got Sullivan Arena. We've got a facility. We've proven we can be competitive." So now that I look back on it. I go, you know what? Job well done by everyone involved, and I'm proud to have played a part in it.
2: Well, <laughs> I love this story, and I can just picture him flailing around. Um,
1: oh, he was flailing! Oh he was flailing. No, they were—they—they were not—they they, they were not—they were not, weren't just dabbing him, man. No, they had him. <laughs> he was down to his waist. No, and if you know these two guys, if oh, you yeah, know they're... these two, and I don't know if, you, yeah, no, they're, they're yeah, no, we used to. Yeah, but they're big, strong, tough dudes yeah. and yeah, yeah. no, it, especially Timmy. Like yeah. Tim, there were times guys had to knock Tim off, guys. I, I, I you know, this probably isn't the appropriate venue, but I, I, I witnessed a beating one night out with Tim because some guy slapped him. Yeah, And I mean a beating to where yeah. we had to get him off or he was going to kill the guy. Hey, Tim's brother, Bob, won the 1984 silver medal at the LA Olympics, super heavyweight wrestler. And when he yeah. came up to Alaska, I said, finally I got someone who can handle Molly. Like I'm sick of him just running roughshod over us all. Yeah. And he looked at his brother Bob and he said, Bob, if you want to go out in the yard, we'll go out in the yard. But you and I both know who's winning this. And I'm like, go get him, Bob. Go get him, Bob. Silver medal, go get him. Whoop his ass. Bob didn't budge. <laughs> I was like, okay. Like Bob didn't budge. And I was like, okay. I mean, I knew Tim was a bad man, but yeah. 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 <laughs> So no, we were getting late curfew. It was happening. It was, they, happening. They, they, <laughs> it, was it, it was happening, and we just sat back and giggled. We we're like, "That's great, that's good job, great. guys. Let's go have let's let's go have some fun."
2: It's uh, awesome. We earned it.
1: We earned it. I love it. We earned it.
2: So let's transition to coaching. I'd love to hear the story about how you first got into coaching. Uh, what that experience was yeah. like, fill me in.
1: Yeah. Well, when I uh, went to UAA, I, I was going to be perfectly content, David, um, getting my degree in physical education and going back to Bartlett High School, coaching hockey and teaching PE. Because I, when I was in school, we had Sam McGowan, Larry Whitmore, and Dennis Anderson. Those were our three PE teachers. And Dennis Anderson was my hockey coach. And they got to show up to work every day wearing sweats. And I taught that, and they coached teams, and they taught PE. And PE was my favorite class. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I'm in. I'm all in. Well, I was when I finished UAA, I went to uh, Muskegon. Uh, They were in the International Hockey League, and I tore my MCL. And let's go back after that. I want to tell you a funny story about that that you guys will like. Okay. So I tore my MCL in the first preseason game. And I uh, went back and I, I had a couple classes. and next year I wanted to keep playing hockey. I went to the back then it was the Atlantic Coast Hockey League. I was on the Virginia Lancers. And uh, my claim to fame is my line mate, and we're still in touch these days is John Tortorella, the coach of the Flyers now. Oh wow. And then I went to Milwaukee the following year. And I didn't make it. shouldn't have made it. And I uh, went back and I had to finish up a couple classes to get my degree. So at this point, I'm like twenty seven. And while I was doing that, I was working at a, there was a hockey shop on Huffman called Silver Sticks and the phone rang one day. And the year I was injured, when I tore my NCL, I helped a guy named Ken Ross coach the AHAP we and had a player named Corky Brown, who was in Dubuque. I know both said, of those guys. hey, John, he says, yeah, he says, hey, John, we I'm calling you to try to get a phone number for someone that. We're, we're going to make a coaching change down here in Dubuque. And I said, well, I can give the guy's phone number. But I said, I think I got a better candidate than him. And he goes, who? And I go, me. And I wasn't being arrogant, but I just yeah. thought, you know what? I'd like to do that. And yeah. uh, he said, are you serious? I go, yeah. And uh, they were conducting interviews. And I, I just took a chance. I flew down, unannounced, uninvited, and interviewed and got the job. That a boy. And I was in so far over my head, David. Now, they had only won six and seven games. Um, my first year we went eight and forty. I was in way over my head, and, and I was very down. Yeah. And uh, Scott Owens was the coach in Madison, and at the end of the year we went uh, up to watch some Minnesota high school stuff to do some recruiting. And, and I remember Scott saying to me, "So John, he says, I know you're not gonna you're gonna have a hard time believing this, but he said you have caught on faster than anyone I know. And I know that you're down in the dumps. He said, but give this another year. He says I. I I'm being sincere when I say that to you. You have what it takes, and uh, and uh, you need to stick with this. So I was fortunate enough had some you know some good young guys coming back. Jack Cole was one of them. But what I was able to do was convince these twin brothers named Peter and Chris Ferraro to come to Dubuque. They won a yeah. national championship at Maine. Uh, Peter played on the Olympic team. Chris was the last cut. They were going to go to Wayburn. I had met them during the summer and I convinced them to come. And I just told them, I said, it's a really, it's a really, really good league. And I said, we're, we're a really, really bad team. I said, I'm not going, I've never will promise anybody anything. Um, you have to earn it, but I can tell you this. I'm, I'm the head coach. I know what we've got coming back. I know how good you guys are and I see you playing a prominent role and playing a lot and, and being challenged. It'll be a good league for you. And, they said, well, well, we'll think about it. And I thought, there's no way they're coming to Dubuque. We're, we're terrible. <laughs> and they called me and said, we're coming. We're coming. So we went from 8 and 40, David, to making it to the a national junior A tournament we lost in the semis. I was not a good coach. Um, I got better. Um, but I think, I think I worked hard. Um, I think I always had a good attitude. Yeah. When I say I wasn't a good coach, not so much a tactician um, at that time in my career, um, but I allowed guys to just play. Yeah. I wasn't going to put restrictions on them. I wasn't across the red line and dump it in. I might have been early on, but then I learned no, I why, why, we don't want to give the puck away. The fun part is when you have the puck. So I want you guys to make plays. If you make mistakes, we'll live with it. Let's just be responsible and and try to have some fun. So I had the two years in Dubuque, and then from there I went to UAA. Uh, but that's how my coaching got started. It was actually a phone call from Corky Brown, and really they didn't have a strong pool of candidates. This was back in
0: 1989,
1: yeah. And I I I, I took the chance and went down on my own and basically uh, knocked the door down to get in. And they had had a previous pipeline to Anchorage kids. When Jack Barzio was there. So I think that that's what convinced him. You know, they had, we had a good pipeline in the eighties with the Corey Rice and Steve McSwain's and Harry Armstrong's and Mikey Cusack's and Kurt Cernich and Bill Cody and Joey Hayes. I mean, there's a, a lot of guys and uh, maybe he can recreate that. So I think that's why I got the chance. Um, and junior hockey to me, if anybody wants to get into coaching, I think it's the very best level to get to to get get started because you you gotta do a bit of everything. You've got to recruit, you've got to coach, you've got to find uh good billet families, you gotta handle travel, you've got to handle scouting, you've got to handle budget. You've got to do a little bit of everything. And it's just a good way to break into coaching.
2: Yeah. Well it's interesting I'm just listening to that part of the story and just thinking like I haven't heard Corky Brown in a long time. He's an Eagle River kid, know him. Um and then Ken Ross coached yeah. with Dennis Sorensen when he coached me. And we won our first national yeah. championship. And then the extension of that story is Peter and Chris. I started off in Waterloo. I was in the trade they that got, took Peter and Chris to Waterloo oh. and took me to Dubuque. Oh. Yeah. That's how I got oh, to
1: Dubuque. That's, oh, <laughs> is that? Isn't wow. That yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 I still stay in contact with him. I ran into them this year at a race. So just like, yeah. you know, walking into a rink in Chicago. Yeah. And they are like, John. And I looked, I go, Peter, Chris. And we're, <laughs> we're, we stay in touch. That's awesome. Yeah, oh now, well, the, the the thing is this is now you guys' as kids are at that age that yeah. I'm going to be looking at in terms of the draft. Do me a favor, though. If one day you see me watching Roy's kids. <laughs> tell, tell, tell me it's time to go do something else oh hey dude you you uncle yeah beat it oh beat my gosh it, beat oh it gosh. well the, the, so the it.
2: extension of that story even is is crazier this is how small hockey is so the the guy that was coaching me at waterloo was a guy by the name of rob grillo
1: yeah Man. i just had a text from rob yesterday
2: yeah, yeah. tell him i said hello I was at a game not too long ago, you know, we just moved to Michigan. So we've been here about two weeks and I took Roy to to watch a couple of Florida boys playing for team USA at USA arena. And I turn around and I go, I think I know that guy. I think that's Rob Grillo. Sure enough, I haven't seen Rob since the day I left (laughs) Waterloo, (laughs) you know, I mean, of course I saw him on the bench and games and things, but I haven't had a conversation with him in 30 years. It's amazing how small 30 hockey is, years. isn't it? It's crazy. It is. It
1: Absolutely is. Crazy. I want to take you back real quick. So the, the torn MCL. When okay. I was playing hockey at UA, I broke my wrist. Broke my okay. wrist. We had a doctor named William Mills. Was he around when you were playing, Dr. No. Mills? No, he was not. Or, so uh, I, he, I broke my wrist, and he put a cast on it. This was on a Friday. And I went out with the guys on Saturday, and I thought, oh, this isn't that bad. I cut it off. So I cut his cast off. I go in on Monday. Okay. I go, Doc. He goes, where's my cast? I go, I ah, cut it off. And he's not happy. And he looks at me and he basically says, if you ever touch my work again, you, you, you will regret it. That's it, young man. But he puts the cast on. When I tear my MCL, I go back to Anchorage and he does the surgery, throws it back together. And we're in the, the room two days later. He says, he says, we've got two options here. He says, I can either, uh, give you a brace to wear from your ankle to your hip. Um, if, you know, you can take it off to for showers. It'll probably be better than a cast. The cast would be from your toes all the way to your hip. What, what, do you, what would you prefer? And I go, oh, Dr. Mills, the cast. Let's go with the, excuse me, I go with the brace. Let's go with the brace. He says, I thought you would say that. He says, do you remember when you cut my cast off? <laughs> and I looked at him, and he looked at his nurse, and he goes, cast him. <laughs> and, he walked, and, and, and he walked out. Oh, he got me back. <laughs> got me back. He said, cast him.
0: Who, who carries a out. grudge?
1: Oh, oh. <laughs> oh Dr. M- he got me. He got oh me back. It's, it's so, it's perfect though. Because That's you right. know, in this world we live in, of this sports, you're always thinking, I'm going to get that guy back. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm going to get him back. It's coming around why, it at might some be point. A week. It might be a month. It yeah. might be a year. It might be 10 years. So I'm going to get him back. Oh, <laughs> he got mean. me back. It was, it was three years later. He got I me. It. I love it. He got you.
2: <laughs> yeah, he got me. Oh man. So take me from we're coaching in Dubuque. We've arrived as a coach at UAA. Talk to me about that experience. Um, Take me from there.
1: Well, the first shows at UAA, they had just, uh, they had uh, went to the NCAA tournament. They'd beaten BC. They got beat by Northern Michigan. A really, really good hockey team, really good team. And, um, we made it to the NCAA tournament. We got beat by Lake Superior State, but there were like, uh, I think like 12 or 13 seniors. So the very first year there, I spent most of my time recruiting. Now the the following year, we were an affiliate member to the WCHA, and then the next year, full-fledged member. And what people probably, don't remember is that team that would have been hang on a second hang on, hang on, 93 94 that team set a record for points in the WCHA by a first year member the team wow. was like two games under 500 which is pretty darn good um it with, with the bulk of the guys being freshmen and sophomores and then the following year uh oof, I think we had single digit wins. It, it was tough. I mean, you played, you played in the WCHA. I never did. I, I coached in it for 20 years, but I never played in it, but it was tough. And, um, and then I went through some personal stuff. I, I was going through, uh, a good friend, Bonnie Cusack died, um, December 20th, 1992 and, I uh, made a decision a month later, David, I think I've talked to you about this, maybe not to, to stop drinking. Yeah. And didn't know if I could, but I did. I've just passed the 30 year threshold. So, uh, and then in 94, 95, you know, my merit went south and it was, it's all my, as I told her name was Michelle and anyone who would listen, I I take 85% of the blame. I said, it probably should be more, but I said I had to draw the line at 85%. (laughs) I can't take any more than 85%. So for me, it was personally um, a bit of a challenge in life, but I don't think I let it affect the coaching. Um, I was proud of the fact that we, again, I'm part of a program that is joining the WCHA. And we had some, the first year we were very competitive. Uh, not so much the next year, which was tough. It was tough, especially when you're from Anchorage and you know a lot of people. Right. And you feel like you're letting people down. Like you literally felt like you were letting people down. Yeah. Um, because you're not winning hockey games. When in reality, and I say this, but it, it's probably not true. It's it, it, it just games, but it's, it's your life. It was my life. It was you, the, the student athlete's life. Right. Um, you know, good, good fan support, you just you feel like you're letting everybody down. And I was there for four years. And then um, I got a phone call from uh, Don Lucia. Uh, In August, which was late in '95, to see if I would have any interest in going down to Colorado College. Now, full disclosure is two years earlier, he had, when he got the job there, he had offered me a job with him, and um, my wife uh, didn't want to move again. She just didn't want to move again. She wanted to stay back in Anchorage, so I I turned the job down. So when he called this time, I knew that if the offer came, I, I would take it because I needed to go personally and professionally. Absolutely. Um, Just gone through a divorce. And then uh, in order to grow as a coach, you can't stay stagnant. You can't stay in one place. Um, I didn't handle it the best. Change is good. I didn't handle it properly though. When I left, I, I should have spent time with all of the players, even a short time individually, if not face to face on the phone. Explaining why, but it all happened so quick and I, and I was out. It was like it came in August and I had to get down there, I had to go to work. Yeah, but I I, I I regret that. And then I went there for four years and uh, we went to two frozen fours, first year lost championship game to Michigan in overtime, went back uh, the following year and then went to two NCAA tournaments after that. I, I've told people this, uh, it was the four best years of my life, factoring in everything, uh, yeah. professionally and, and, and personally, I was a face in the crowd. Um, I was able to go to Avalanche had just come to, to Colorado. I'd go up to games because one of their equipment managers was Mike Kramer, who I had hired in Dubuque.
2: Yeah, I know Mike, and Mike, Mike was always,
1: yeah, you know, you know, Mike, Mike yeah. would go, Hey, John, you know, come on up. I got tickets. So I go to games, I go to Bronco games, Rockies games, concerts, no one knew me. And we yeah. had a good hockey team. So it was the four best years of my life. I ended up meeting my, my now wife, Patsy. We've been married 25 years at the airport in Minneapolis. And it, it was it was good. But you, for as good as it is for you, David, you still, there's a part of you that's missing because you, you left behind a program that you love and people that not only did you love, but you, you cared about a lot. So it was really, I used to tell Don, it was like when we won the McNaughton Cup and it was against, clinched it at home against UAA. And I'm like, I'm not going to the games. I'm going to go recruiting. He says, no. He says, I want you here. I said, I don't want to be there. Yeah. He says, John, it's a, he says, it's a big deal. He says, it's really cool. And he says, "I, I, I, he says, I'm not even asking. He says, I'm telling you, you're going to be here. He says, they'll, 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 they'll be in the dressing room. It, it wasn't fun, David. Yeah. It really wasn't fun for me. And I remember though, when the players got the cup, they they brought it over to me, and I got God, these guys actually like me. And they brought it right over to me.
0: Yeah,
1: because uh, they had won it. They had won it the two years previous, and they brought it over. It made me feel good, but it was not. I couldn't fully enjoy it because it's against the last Anchorage. Why couldn't it have been against Wisconsin or the right. Duluth? No, it's, right. UA, it's UAA. I'm like really. So it, it's. It was good, but it was I was not one hundred percent at peace, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. It does. Yeah. It's uh yeah. for those
2: that haven't lived in Alaska, it's tough to put that into a tangible context, but there's just something about being a part of that community. You're always going to be a part of that community once you're in it. And uh yeah, so I, I get the way. I understand the feeling, a sense of, yeah. Uh, on one hand, this very exciting moment in a sporting event, but then on the other side, just this sense of loyalty to the community that brought you up. I totally get that.
1: Yeah, and the program. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's coach and the players I had recruited, and I leave, and here I am, and I'm supposed to look happy Yeah, and be happy. And quite frankly, I was happy but not happy. that makes any sense it totally does not happy that i can't be happy in front of you guys because this is a it's kind of a kick to the gut yeah because it's you guys yeah but yeah yeah and then from there david minnesota for a couple of years uh i've got really good timing i went to minnesota for two years with don and then uh got the job at Alaska Anchors. It always wanted as a head coach. Now, of course, Minnesota goes on to win back-to-back national championships, <laughs> and maybe the reason they did is I was gone, and uh, the first year went well. Um, I, I I figured it would because I knew the team, and I knew there were some, some seniors who had character. Uh, on the back end, you had uh, Eric Lawson and Corey Hessler, and you had the little line of uh, Mike Scott on the left, Steve Sion and Greg Zaprasan, and then Matt Shasby was a young guy. Matt was a good defenseman. And there were some workers, Dallas Stewart. And I thought, you know what? This team's got, got enough character and, and, and leadership that I think we can just changing the philosophy and creating a, an environment. Uh, and we were competitive. We finished in sixth place. Now, when I got the job, I told Steve Cobb, the AD, and I actually told Doyle Woody, but I said, Doyle, this is not for print. This is you and I talking because we went to high school together. I said, my, my biggest concern is year two. I said, because those guys are going to graduate out. And that's mm-hmm. going to be my biggest concern. And we went 128-7. and 7, And the, the one game we won was the first game of the year. So imagine going 35 games and not winning. Ouch. Um, Sundays were... I'm not sure low is a strong enough word Yeah. and I get up Monday and, and don't ever recall going in and taking it out on the guys. Um, I had a dilemma. I had a philosophy and the philosophy was what I had conveyed to guys in the recruiting process. And we didn't have the players, uh, to play that philosophy. Hmm. The kids we had recruited could but not the other guys and they're good kids. So I had a dilemma as a coach and I, I still to this day ask myself if I did the right thing. I could have retreated and by that. I mean, just basically went into a defensive shell and tried to game, keep games close. But yeah, I had recruited these kids telling them this is how we were going to play. And, uh, I wouldn't do it. it I just, I wasn't going to do that. I was going to, it was going to, it was going to be, Humbling to say the least. It was going to be difficult, but I thought it would pay dividends. Uh, And we had some good young players. And then uh, we had Chris Fournier sitting out because he transferred from North Dakota. And in my our third year, we went to the WCHA Final Five for the first time. And I will say this: I went to two Frozen. I we went to two Frozen fours when I was at Colorado College. The best weekend coaching in my life. Was when we took the Ski Wolves to the Final Five. Now this program had gone—I forget how many years—never uh, winning a playoff game. And we went to Wisconsin, and we won in three. And we won the Sunday game handily. And uh, I still remember getting on the bus as we pulled out of Madison on Monday morning to head up to St. Paul, and standing in the the uh, you know. Next to the driver where the steps yeah. are and looking yeah. back. Cause I remembered, I don't know if it was Kurt Hyder or Doyle Woody, but they said to me, "So, can you give me the final five once? I just want to experience it once. And I go, we're going to get you there. And I remember looking back, Keith Morris was on the road. Jack was with me. Jack had endured that 128 seven season and the players who had also endured that except for the freshmen and Kurt and Doyle and looking back i thinking, Lord, if you would have opened up the sky and told me, John, you're going to go 128 and 7 and it's going to be the most miserable professional experience you will ever have in your lifetime. But, but you and this group are going to go to the final five. Would you take it? I would have said, yeah, I'll take it. Sign me up. And Absolutely. I remember thinking I was, I was so happy for all of them because yeah. I don't want this to sound, come, come out wrong, David. I had been to final five. I had been to Frozen Forest. Sure. This program had not. And this was, this was what I call my program. Yeah. This is where I played. This is where I coached. This is where I became a man. This is, this is the logo I'm pr- most proud of. Yeah. And we got there, and I remember them. Uh, we got to St. Paul, and we were a day early because, you know, we weren't going to fly back to Anchorage and turn around and fly back. Right. And the guys at the XL Energy Center said, Coach, we – We apologize, but the the dressing room's not ready yet. It was the fifth dressing room. And I said, Bud, we're so happy to be here. We would dress in the parking lot. Don't you worry (laughs) about it. Just put a place to store our equipment, and we'll, we'll go from there. And then we beat Colorado College in the first game, and we stayed around. And back then, David, they had the Minnesota rules. Minnesota was in the final four. They played the evening game. Now, Minnesota didn't want to rule because they thought it was not fair. So we had to play on Thursday night. Well, we had to turn around at 1 o'clock on Friday and play North Dakota. Oof. What kind of rest is that? That that's basically was uh, 15 hours later. Yeah. So we got beat, and then we, we played Duluth on Saturday, and then the following season, we, uh, we lost to Wisconsin by a goal to go back. We beat them. We In the third game, they kicked a goal in. There was no video replay then. We scored a goal. They disallowed it. They beat us two to one. And uh, so I was proud of the fact that our staff and the players in years three and four, we won four playoff games. I think the programs won a total eight in all these years, and we won those four. I, I thought it was coming together, but um, I left because I uh, didn't feel there was a commitment from the athletic director my assist the two assistant coaches were on 10-month contracts yeah we're playing in the w we're playing in the wcha i would be out in the summer recruiting by myself because those guys were off contract yeah so i just uh don called and he said hey um i think you're you've got that thing headed in the right direction you've got through the worst but if you want to come back you know i'll take you back here and I went to Dr. Cobb and I said, Steve, i got a couple questions for you. I said, uh, Don's contacting me about going back to Minnesota and I don't really don't feel that you're that committed to us. I said, "Will you put Jack and Keith on 12 month contracts and will you give us an extension because when I went up there, he gave me a three year contract. Well, the norm is five and after yeah. year two, he gave me or after year three, another three and I also had to keep his assistant coaches. One of them left. And I just, and he said, no, I'm not going to put them on 12-month contracts. And no, there's no extension. So I ended up uh, leaving and going back yeah. to Minnesota. So for listeners, uh,
2: please subscribe and share. Uh, you can find us at SeawolfHockeyAlumni.com. And this is going to be a two-part series. So stay tuned for the next se- uh, part with coach John Hill. Hilly, we love having you and look forward to chatting with you again soon.
1: Thank you for listening to the pack is back podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow the show and share it with your friends and family.